Thanks for listening to The Derivative. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of RCM Alternatives, their affiliates, or companies featured. Due to industry regulations, participants on this podcast are instructed not to make specific trade recommendations nor reference past or potential profits, and listeners are reminded that managed futures, commodity trading, and other alternative investments are complex and carry a risk of substantial losses. As such, they are not suitable for all investors. Welcome to The Derivative by RCM Alternatives, where we dive into what makes alternative investments go, analyze the strategies of unique hedge fund managers, and chat with interesting guests from across the investment world. So reinsurance, generally, when you think about collecting all the volatility from the balance sheets of the, the large insurance companies around the country and around the world, you know, that, that creates a very asymmetric business. It's, it's not. And so it doesn't lend itself to sort of normal metrics for a lot of investors. It's, it's a bit of a head scratcher yeah. uh, to, to, to understand because you're, you're collecting a number of tails. You're diversifying, hopefully, the, those tails, but they are all, um, you know, so it's a right sided outcome. And so to be concentrated in certain risks creates volatility that, you know, you'd rather uh, obviously uh, find ways to to dampen. And so uh, as an industry, we're looking at, uh, we, we look at things called what we call the disaster gap, where uh, events happen in certain uh, areas of the world. You take Haiti, you can take a lot of places where, you know, that that, that infrastructure isn't there yet. And, and you know, what are we going to do to help encourage that? Uh, and in the meantime, uh, in developed areas, we still have a lot of work to do in terms of, uh, of selling a product that consumers uh, that you know, consumers will buy and the consumers will uh, continue to, to, to buy. And so um, yeah, we, 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 I see insurance as a growth market and reinsurance as a growth opportunity. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we've got a doozy for you with this episode as I try and wrap my head and in turn your heads around the world of reinsurance, insurance-linked securities, cat bonds, and the billions of dollars that switch hands between insurance companies, Bermuda-based reinsurers, and some of the largest investors in the world. Uh, our guest today is Chris McCown, the Chief Executive of Reinsurance and ILS Advantage, a tech-enabled and data-driven private reinsurance company based in Bermuda. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. No worries. How did I do okay on the last name? I forgot to ask you the uh, pronunciation. You did. A, it, it's fine. We, we, it's pronounced McKeown, but uh, any, uh, you're close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I got the M correct. Yeah. Um, so where, where in the world are you? I'm uh, at my house. I'm located in Concord, Massachusetts. Concord. All right. Known yeah. for some colonial time. Yeah, but some people call it the birthplace of our nation, but uh, it's, uh, it's got a lot of history to it, a lot of uh, liter- literary history as well. It's a, it's a great, great place to live in just outside of Boston, which is uh, the hub of the universe, great city. Uh, a stock city, though, not an insurance. You're supposed to be down there in Hartford, Connecticut, in the insurance capital of the world. Insurance cap- it was the insurance capital of the world. I think that might, might have shifted a little bit over the years, but uh, insurance seems to be congregating in uh, London, Bermuda, in, in certain cities in 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 Europe, but uh, Hartford's still a big a big big city for insurance. That's true. Never never worked there. Never never lived there. Um, and do you travel to Bermuda then quite a bit? You guys are headquartered there. Yeah, Vantage is headquartered in Bermuda, and uh, 
I, uh, my formative underwriting years were spent in Bermuda, uh, 12 years, and uh, then moved back to the States in 09, lived here in Concord since, but uh, have started up and been involved with a couple of startups in Bermuda since then. So you commute back and forth. It's a pretty easy, easy commute, uh, except for the last year and a half. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a readily, readily available uh, uh, jurisdiction and, and place to get to and, and great place to do business. Uh, awesome. Uh, I was supposed to do the Newport to Bermuda Oh, yeah. Yacht race once, but didn't uh, make it. I did Newport to Black Island instead, but that was just as fun. But so never been to Bermuda. So I'm put, putting it on the list. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great place. Uh, uh, lovely people, lovely weather, uh, a, a, a really uh, business focused uh, uh, government and, and, and regulatory body that, uh, uh, you know, it's been a real success for the insurance and reinsurance business uh, in particular and, and, and increasingly for the ILS investors. Awesome. Um, so give us the quick personal background uh, yourself, how you ended up in the insurance business and then culminating in Vantage launching and your role there. Sure. Yeah, that'd be going back a long way. But uh, <laughs> like, like a lot of people, I landed in insurance, reinsurance somewhat by, by mistake or by luck, uh, but uh, started my career as a reinsurance broker for Guy Carpenter, which is a subsidiary of Marsh McLennan. Worked there for... Um, 14 years and then moved to Bermuda in 98 and started working for a company called Ace Tempest, part of Ace, which is, of course, now the mighty Chubb, uh, and uh, became an underwriter portfolio manager. Uh, there in 04 was recruited by Citadel Investment Group to build out a uh, pretty pioneering effort in the uh, reinsurance space through, uh, uh, through funds managed by Citadel into the, what's called the collateralized reinsurance or early, early ILS uh, space and did that for a few years. And uh, then in 09, went back to Guy Carpenter. Uh, and uh, then, as I say, in 2013, I started a uh, company called New Ocean, which was an asset manager dedicated to the ILS space. Uh, and uh, now just uh, recently came back into the reinsurance space uh, after doing a little bit of a tour in the insure tech world for the last couple of years uh, to join Vantage, as you say, data-driven, data, data, uh, tech-enabled uh, vision uh, that is chaired by uh, our non-executive chair is Dino Ciardano, who's got uh, no end of enthusiasm and energy and, and charisma for the business, uh, very successfully uh, ran Arch, uh, Arch Capital for years. Uh, and then our CEO is Greg Hendrick, who's got a broad intellectual curiosity uh, across insurance and reinsurance and how uh, we can purpose, purpose build a, a company uh, for the future uh, of, of what we see uh, the, you know, that the emerging issues that are, that are affecting our, our society, but also insurance in particular. And, uh, and that, you know, that's Vantage. So it got me excited to, to join the team and, and uh, it's an all-star team. It's been great. Uh, and so I want to say Blue Ocean, but it was New Ocean. New, new ocean. ocean, yeah. There was a blue ocean. We're running out of names. Uh, <laughs> that's why you see new a lot. And, you know, there's ocean, there's, yeah, point. Point is a very popular uh, yeah. name of, of reinsurance and insurance companies. But, uh, yeah, so Vantage, when we came up, we came up with Vantage, the, the list was fairly short of, of viable of viable names uh, that had had some punch to them. But, um, yeah, we started Vantage just a year ago. Uh, literally, um, we got a, a, our funding and our AM best rating uh, in the month of October 20, 2020. So uh, all during COVID, it's been a, a real a real journey um, but happy to be here to, to talk about Vantage insurance, reinsurance, and, uh, and, and what we call ILS, insurance-linked securities. Uh, 
and quickly on your new ocean that was your own that was a hedge fund essentially was a it was uh you could call it an alternative asset manager basically yeah that would be described um as uh as the idea is that you provide access directly to the insurance risk through uh investable vehicles from you know for for third party and investors pension funds family offices sovereign wealth funds uh hedge funds uh who can you know who 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 can uh, uh, invest in a variety of forms. There, there, there are funds, and then there are uh, what's called uh, special purpose insurers, uh, and uh, there's a you know a mix of, of, of or a spectrum, I should say, of investable uh, alternatives for you know for non-insurance companies who don't want to, or or non-investors who don't want to own uh, an insurance company through private equity, nor do they or do they want to own it through you know through public equity. Um, that yeah. this is an alternative uh, way to access that risk. And then Vantage, I'll just quickly touch on. You mentioned so you guys were backed by PE, uh, launched a year ago. So who who are those private equity firms? Yeah, we're we're uh, proud to have uh, Carlisle and Hellman and Freeman as our uh, effectively uh, 50-50 owners, um, uh, and with along along with management, of course, that um, uh, have seen the the the. The issues that have, have have started to plague the insurance business. There was a little slow moving, but uh, if you can see the trends, uh, the, the 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 timing has been has been great. Ba- large balance sheets have been withdrawing from certain lines of business. Uh, we have an increased uh, uh, increased frequency of of of, of events uh, driven by climatology and 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 uh, that you know need to be addressed. And uh, and and the and the use of technology uh, and data is is uh, going to be instrumental in, in our you know in our business going forward and, and unburdened by legacy systems, legacy reserves, or legacy ways of thinking. You know they they provided a billion dollars of initial equity capital to us. Uh, so, uh, which is uh, which is not I wouldn't call it table stakes, but in the insurance reinsurance world, you certainly have to have a certain amount of capital to to a to get a rating from. Uh, we have an A best rating of A minus, uh, as well as to be uh, accepted as a counterparty credit to insurance companies uh, and and other you know other other trading partners. So mm-hmm. very very happy to be be launched by knowledgeable private equity firms in this space. With as I say, Dino Ciardano and Greg Greg Hendrick at the helm, it's been uh, it's been a great great journey so far. Awesome, those are two good names to have on the uh, investor list. So let's start at the top if we could. And could you define exactly what reinsurance is and what the uh, purposefulness of it is? Is that a word? Purposefulness? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a very about, purposeful, very purposeful yeah, anyway. business. Dig in for us, reinsurance. Sure, and I, um, yeah, I appreciate for some of your listeners, this might be a little bit of a uh, of a d- diversion into uh, another another world, and uh, some of the nomenclature might need a bit of translation, but I'll I'll do my best. Uh, reinsurance is basically the secondary market for insurance. Insurance companies uh, perform a you know very uh, vital uh, role in, in in finance, both consumer and business I mean, commercial uh, insurance. Providing liquidity in the case of of, of, of insurable losses, whether they're uh, liability losses or you know I think of uh, large scale hurricanes or, or earthquakes that affect a, a, a large swath of a portfolio that an insurance company might write, they look to the reinsurance business, uh, reinsurance market to offload that risk and provide that, that themselves uh, liquidity and financial uh, flexibility around uh, around managing those those uh, those liabilities on their own balance sheet. So it's reinsurance is effectively insurance for insurance companies. 
and, and, and there's a secondary market, or I should say a tertiary market, Jeff, of what we call retrocessional reinsurance. So reinsurers provide that capital and that capacity to insurance companies who obviously in turn face the customer. Behind reinsurance companies, there's, a, there's another round of trading that's called retrocessional reinsurance, uh, mostly amongst uh, reinsurers themselves, but also where ILS, insurance linked securities, third-party investors also play a pretty, pretty significant role. And into the purposefulness. Sure. The you know, insur- insurance um, in, in this day and age, when we're all thinking about uh, how we sort of impact our, our globe and our society and, and, and each other, you know, insurance has always has always been there to, to provide uh, protection for, you know, for, for losses to your to your automobile, to your home, to your business. Uh, and, and, and that, you know, that, that reason for being uh, allows societies to, you know, to continue uh, economies to, to, to thrive and, and societies to rebuild after disasters like a Hurricane Ida and, 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 and the, the European floods this summer. Uh, that, 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 that's a you know, vital function uh, to, to provide that, that, that financing of, 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 of resilience and resiliency to, to, to natural catastrophes in particular, but also the pandemic uh, and, 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 uh, and liability crises such as uh, such as uh, in the past um, you know asbestos or environmental uh, issues uh, is where the insurance and reinsurance business uh, plays a, a you know, vital role of, of, of finance and so that you know that is is uh, it's great and, and and I think what the, the, you know, the issue that we're all grappling with is that as an industry is are we doing enough are we are we are we providing enough uh, protection and insurance uh, across the globe? Across uh, all societies, uh, to um, you know, to to provide that economic uh, uh, resiliency for you know for for the engine of, of, of economies, and you know the answer really is 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 not yet. We, we insurance is is fairly uh, concentrated in, in in developed countries, uh, and 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 the infrastructure uh, and and the, and the and the, the the overall commitment and the ability to commit to a to a, a, a an insurance uh, market is 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 just beginning in in a, in a large part large parts of the world, and so it, as an industry, we're always looking for ways to, to follow the law of large numbers. The more diverse your portfolio of insurance risk is, the better off you're going to be as an insurance company. And so, to be concentrated in certain risks creates volatility that you know you'd rather uh, obviously uh, find ways to to dampen. And so, uh, as an industry, we're looking at uh, we, we look at things called what we call the disaster gap, where uh, events happen in certain uh, areas of the world. You take Haiti, you can take a lot of places where you know that that, that infrastructure isn't there yet. And, and you know what are we going to do to to help encourage that? Uh, and in the meantime, uh, in developed areas, we still have a lot of work to do in terms of uh, of selling a product that consumers. Uh, that you know, consumers will buy and consumers will uh, continue to, to, to buy. And so um, you know, we, 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 I see insurance as a growth market and reinsurance as a growth opportunity uh, in an ever increasing sort of world. It's more, there may be more risk because of like climatology and, and, and pandemics and what have you, but there's certainly a more of an awareness of risk in our society that, uh, that we, you know, we need to address as we, as we, as we grow. Uh, and, I love that, but it's not all altruistic, right? Like people are in the business to make money. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, but they, as they should, they're taking on that risk. So it's a risk transfer process, right? That's right. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that, that's what, that's what sort of is a, is a natural con- uh, is sort of confining uh, aspect of, of our business. There's just some some areas that uh, some, some risks that you can't, you can't make money on. And that, that, that's, you know, you, you avoid those risks. 
But again, going back to the, you know, the concept that the more, the, the larger the pool of risk that you're insuring against, uh, the better off uh, your results should be, assuming you can get the price, you know, that, that, that should be encouraged. And, and, and um, insurance is generally, uh, when, when we talk about reinsurance, it, it really is focused in, in, in fairly um, developed uh, areas, North America, Europe, uh, Asia, uh, and th those are sort of the concentrations of risk that we deal with in the reinsurance space. And who who are the customers of reinsurance? The biggest insurance companies in the world we're talking, right? Um, yeah, they, they they all there's um you know the the, lar the large you know, large national uh, names that you think of in the United States and 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 global you know global insurance companies all all buy reinsurance for a variety of reasons, uh, uh, providing uh, earnings protection, capital protection uh, against uh, against you know various lines of insurance and, and reinsurance that they themselves write. And just lay that out in numbers for us. So uh, USAA is my insurance. So they maybe want to cap their liability at $10 billion or something. I don't know the numbers. Um, and then the, if they have $15 billion of risk, they'll offload that extra $5 billion to the rancher. That's correct. Yeah, the, I mean, USA is unique. Uh, company, but all, all companies have a have a mission and have a have a need to you know continue to su supply a sustainable product to their to their to their customers. Um, as I say, USA has a, an extra uh, extra mission uh, above and beyond for you know for for ex service members and their families. But the idea is that uh, to to uh, maintain and protect the capital base, uh, their own balance sheet. To continue to provide those products for years and years means that they want to seed some of the volatility away from their balance sheet. So, um, in servicing their members or their insureds, they they will uh, you know will continue to write business in certain areas that are prone to natural catastrophes, uh, and and will not want to to sort of sh shut that off. Right? They, they they want to provide that service and that and that product, but that adds up. Uh, and so you end up with a with an exposure to uh, events that uh, would be meaningful from an, either an earnings perspective or even potentially from a capital perspective. And hence, that's the yeah that's the piece that they then ask reinsurers to to provide coverage for uh, as 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 uh, as a, in, in a tranched way you know above, above where they're comfortable uh, maintaining the risk on their balance sheet. And that would it be fair to say like in parts of Florida or Louisiana or Texas, like you either couldn't get it, hurricane insurance or it'd be prohibitively expensive for individuals if there weren't reinsurance, if the insurance companies couldn't offset that risk? Yeah, the, the, this, uh, over the years, uh, the reinsurance pricing has become part of how insurance companies manage their risk and manage their, their own pricing. There's, uh, there are, uh, as you know, in the United States, every state has, their, has, a, has an insurance commissioner that, that protects consumers and, and, and thinks about you know, the, 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 the regulatory framework for those insurance companies. But with, so having, having, having taken care of, of that aspect of, of the business insurance companies, then uh, think about how uh, you know, the, the, the pricing of the risk and including the reinsurance price gets passed on to consumers. In some in some places, it's 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 too burdensome, honestly. And and states step in. You have states with state mechanisms like Florida and other other states have uh, have wind pools that are 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 in, in, endorsed and 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 uh, support sponsored by the states uh, to yeah. But but also in most cases to encourage uh, private uh, capital deployment to the extent that uh, we can you know find that balance. Uh, sometimes there's not enough price to, you know, to, to, to pass on and, and it, it, they are not insurable. But uh, in, in those cases, the state steps in. But generally speaking, 
again, the insurance business th- strives to rationalize our, the pricing for the risk and 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 uh, and find product that you know consumers can buy. Uh, and then who who are the investors? So family offices, pensions, endowments, like big institutional investors. We're talking. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you think about it, so if you, you know if you if you wanted to invest in insurance companies, you have a few choices, right? You could be a large private equity firm with a, with a, a long runway of, of, of watching valuation grow, uh, or you could buy uh, a lot of reinsurance companies that are publicly traded. You could buy the public equity too. That that gives you uh, that's that's another equity, right? That you're purchasing, or that's a, it's a long term uh, private equity play uh, to to access the actual risk. Uh, the uh, investors, as you mentioned, uh, have 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 created and, and the business has created what we call ILS insurance linked securities, which is a broad term and securities you need to put in quotes because uh, while some of it is uh, securitized, that is cap bonds, which are 144A securities. A lot of it is not; they're just private transactions that are that are crafted as securities, but they're but they're not necessarily liquid securities. But the idea is that you, as an investor, whether you're a pension fund, a sovereign wealth fund, a, a family office, uh, a, a, you know, large asset aggregator, can invest specifically in the insurance risk. Bypass the market risk, bypass the execution risk, the management risk, uh, and 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 really sort of laser in focus to say I want I want to be exposed to Florida windstorm or Louisiana windstorm, uh, and I will take the premium that you collect as a reinsurer. I'll take a share of that premium and provide you capital uh, to you know to participate in that risk specifically. Right, but yeah, like nobody wakes up and say I want to be exposed to Texas wind, right? So they're they're having. They're saying, oh, I love this constant flow of income, and I know that there's this risk on the other side of it, right? Yeah, um, the benefit to, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Pardon. Yeah, go ahead. The benefit to investors is really uh, on the portfolio. It's it's directionally non-correlating risk. Uh, it uh, when you think about and the, the the classic case we bring up is 2008. In 2008, with everything going on. And, and there were losses, by the way, in the insurance business that we had Hurricane Ike in 2008, which was a fairly large hurricane, but it wasn't, uh, it, it, uh, it, it, it worked in, in the sense that it wasn't, uh, since it wasn't correlated, uh, the insurance sector and the, and the ILS business did very well in 2008. So it's a protection. I, th- I think of it as, a, as an investment uh, prote- uh, portfolio protection. And, and it, it does create yield. It does create positive premium as well, which is, which is a benefit for the risk that you're taking. But as a, as a proportion or as a component piece, excuse me, of your investment portfolio, it's quite compelling because it, it, is, uh, it is directionally non-correlating to equities, to debt, to other alternatives. And it's, it's super interesting to me because it's essentially what, we deal with guys all the time selling options, right? You're selling these far out of the money, very unlikely to happen options, collecting a premium, able to reinvest that premium into, like you say, in 2008 would have been great to be getting coupons in That's right. uh, to put back into the market at the lows. Uh, so I can see the desire for the institutional investors. Um, yeah, it's just how, how do you guys view that? If it's a short option, how do you view the probability of it having to pay out? How do the investors view that probability of it having to pay out? Yeah, that's uh, so reinsurance. Generally, when you think about collecting all the volatility from the balance sheets of the, the large insurance companies around the country and around the world, you know that that creates 
a very asymmetric business. It's it's not, and so it doesn't lend itself to sort of normal metrics for a lot of investors. It's it's a bit of a head scratcher yeah. uh, to, to to understand because you're you're collecting a number of tails. You're diversifying, hopefully, the, those tails, but they are all um, you know. So it's a right-sided outcome. So many many years, eight nine years out of ten, you're collecting the premium. The one year out of ten, and what makes it challenging is that the, you know, the one or the one and a half to two years out of ten, whatever it is, uh, you, you have a loss, and or you think you have a loss. So uh, part of uh, the, the liquidity premium uh, that you get is because, or illiquidity premium, if that's the way you refer to it, is because you could have a year where you uh, don't aren't sure that the contract's going to pay, but you, you your your collateral is still held against the risk until it develops fully and, and is, is, is known. And so um, we can take the, the losses this year, Hurricane Ida that, that occurred uh, earlier this year, a lot of complexities to that event that will create a, a, a long time frame uh, in, in which we will finally understand the, the full you know, full economic impact of that and uh, of that event. So you you lose it, because it's illiquid. That money you know, stays in the contract until the finality of that contract of the of the underlying reinsurance contract, which could take up to three years. Uh, until so they sort yeah. out of people's claims and what the damage was actually caused by. And That's right. Yeah, I was going to save that for later when we talk cat bonds, but I'll dive into it now. Like to me, you out and I read the uh, what's the website, the Bermuda AM, whatever. Like they're saying, reinsurers could lose twenty billion on Hurricane Ida, right? You're reading those articles, and then it turns out to be much less usually. And it seems like there's this thing of like, oh, the the losses weren't from the hurricane; it was from a flood. That's right. So how does that work? It seems a little like uh, parlor gamey, but I mean, I guess it's all just contracts are contracts. They they delineate what gets paid out and why. They do, although they are there is a there's a there's a still a, a little bit of uh, of flexibility in how the contract wordings uh, can can work, uh, and and we you know we're learning with every event, uh, but uh, generally you know it, 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 insurance companies expect. To pay the claims and have their reinsurers pay, uh, you know, peri passu as to, to how those claims are paid, uh, and and um, you know, if it's not clear in the contract wording exactly what is covered, what isn't, uh, you know, you, you can have some some issues. But but Hurricane Ida is a good example, Jeff, where you've got you've got wind damage and then you've got flood damage. They happen to. The, the flood damage is, to, is generally, you know, sort of seen as the Northeast. It is almost two different events in a way. It's a, the Northeast was a flooding event, and then in Louisiana it was more of a wind event. Although there was there was, you know, a lot of rain that was uh, that was dumped uh, in in the state of Louisiana on, on a very already saturated, unfortunately saturated uh, area of, of of the country that will exacerbate the actual settlement of those claims. So the the estimates come out. You're right. The estimates come out from these models that the industry uses. And industry sources, centralized industry sources that do a survey of ins uh, insurance companies uh, and 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 say, you know, that this is what we think it might it might be. But until the claims uh, the claims professionals get on the ground and start settling claims and looking at the you know, looking at the property and saying that's water damage if it's a if it's a homeowner's uh, coverage and it's flood. That typically goes into the national flood insurance program uh, and the insurance the homeowners insurance company doesn't pay that. So you have to really you have to go through it kind of claim by claim until you get a clear uh, sense of where the where the loss which uh, sort of manifests itself, whether it's on the insurance policy, whether it's in the 
flood program run by the federal government, uh, and 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 uh, and that just takes a while to, to sort out. It's 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 particularly exacerbated this year uh, because with COVID, as as everything else, things are slower, and the slower it takes, the longer it takes for you to settle a claim. It's generally speaking, it, it becomes more costly. You think about uh, you know, if if you can get in and and, and assess it quickly and 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 agree with the homeowner or the business owner that the and what the claim should be paid. Uh, but if, as time goes on, uh, things tend to deteriorate and then the loss uh, can escalate. So the, the amount of time is a problem because of COVID, because of lack of labor, supply chain disruption, infrastructure issues. There are all sorts of things that will create uh, a more complex claim uh, uh, outcome in, in Ida. And, and that's, that's, what, that's why it, you know, it's going to take some time to, to sort out. Uh, and then two more on reinsurance. Why Bermuda? Why are all these things in Bermuda? Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Why Bermuda? Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, Bermuda became uh, sort of the, 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 the jurisdiction of choice, uh, really. I mean, and not all reinsurance is done in Bermuda, by the way. I guess you go back, if you wanted to go all the way back 300 years plus, you know, reinsurance started at Lloyd's of London. Lloyd's of London still plays a very prominent role, as do a number of large reinsurance uh, companies in, in Europe, like Munich Re, Swiss Re. Uh, but Bermuda became a, a, a jurisdiction of choice, really, in, in 1992 after Hurricane Andrew, where uh, it was um, there. There, there is uh, the Bermuda Monetary Authority is there with a with a with a jurisdiction framework, which is very very strong. Uh, it's uh, it's you know, part of the UK uh, from a from a, a court and legal standpoint, and uh, so it was seen as a place that has uh, it's closer to the United States. It, uh, it has it is a low tax uh, environment. So the idea was to write volatile lines of business in 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 and, and attract talent to Bermuda. Uh, that has then just created a, a market in and of itself. So that the class of '92 was six or seven companies that started. There was a class of 2001, as we call as we refer to it. Uh, not as many companies, but larger and more successful companies uh, over time. And then uh, it's there's a marketplace there with people. With 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 solid uh, solid regulatory framework. Uh, uh, now and, it's self fulfilling almost. And it's right. self fulfilling exactly. Yeah, and 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 hence and these were these were these were generally the model was private equity built uh, drive to a certain you know liquidation event and move on along the way. Uh, it has also become a, a the, the place for. Uh, asset managers who are dedicated to uh, to insurance-linked securities. So um, th they also have, uh, with the Bermuda um, Stock Exchange and the BMA, have you know ha have found a home there to 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 participate in the marketplace alongside the traditional balance sheets. And then what I don't know if you know, but like um, Third Point Greenlight had set up their like reinsurance companies that they were going to invest back into their hedge funds. Is that still a game being played, or is? Uh... It is, it is, but it's um, sort of, I think, less so of a, of a, of a model, honestly, going forward. Um, but the, yeah, the idea is that you can write uh, uh, longer tail lines of, 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 going back to my point, there are, there are, there are lines of insurance about, about sort of how, how losses uh, develop over time. I just used a property cat example where it's going to take months and months to understand what Hurricane Ida, but there are, there are, there are liabilities out there that sometimes take years and years to to to, to understand, uh, and and so um, you know, those long tail lines mean you can collect the premium for a number of years, invest in alternative strategies that get you uh, extra yield on the investment portfolio, and the combination uh, is is you know is more powerful. 
I think uh, I, I, I've never worked for uh, that type of a company because I, I like to focus on the risk on the, on the liability side. And I think that you, you know, if you get if you focus and you know you're getting paid for that risk, uh, then it's it's a better outcome than trying to minimize that risk but maximize the risk on the asset side. And so um, yeah, the, there are still companies out there pursuing that strategy, uh, but it's uh, it, it's mostly it's it, it's mostly now the tr- what I think of a traditional at least advantage. Tr- the balance sheet is very, very uh, conservative, very boring uh, uh, assets, all, you know, uh, high, high, uh, high, high level of, uh, sorry, um, you know, T-bills and, and short-term duration and, and very highly liquid. And that's the majority of investment uh, uh, assets that go against the, the, uh, the, the insurance reinsurance business today. Right. Well, you don't want to get upside down, right? Like if, if right. they were in, they were selling short IDA or not IDA, but uh, Ike, in 2008, and their hedge fund was down 40%. They've got a cash problem. Yeah, they got a cash problem. Yep. Yeah. It, 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 you, you need to be somewhat, you know, you need to be liquid in the reinsurance business, I guess. It's because you don't know when the events are going to happen. And, and, and then, the, you know, the contracts are due. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's hard to get that right, that balance right. Um, and so that's, uh, I, I think that you've said it's been proven uh, by, you know, the folks who've done, who have tried and, and continue to try. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. And so we mentioned cat bonds. That's short for catastrophe bonds. Uh, yep. That's hurricanes. What what else does it cover? All sorts of catastrophes. Seems like we have an ever increasing number of catastrophes in the world. <laughs> yeah, it does. Unfortunately, no. They're fairly uh, prescribed in in in. Um, they they rely on a third party objective uh, view of what the risk is. And so um, the, there there are model vendor models out there that uh, provide that that view of risk. Uh, and and it's really in places like uh, U.S. Uh, hurricane, U.S. quake, some uh, some uh, Japanese risk as well, uh, uh, both quake and, and and typhoon, and in certain cases Europe. It's it's a it's a more highly concentrated uh, portfolio of risk where there's modeling available and there's third party validation, uh, and and the pricing is such that it you know it's attractive to cap on investors. Uh, so we advantage. We've already issued a cap on, for instance, on a on a uh, industry basis. So, so you 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 buy it on a on a, on a derivative basis. Uh, that um, you know those investors are keen to find that yield, but it's very very limited in terms of what what uh, coverages it affords. So the the one structural issue overall with the business is that we we talk about insurance companies. You mentioned your insurance company, USA. You think of as you know, it's a, it's the best rated company, uh, one of the best rated companies in the country. Uh, it's got it's got a huge balance sheet. You add up all those insurance balance sheets. I, I lost track, but it's somewhere between two and three trillion dollars. The global reinsurance marketplace is capitalized uh, to about six hundred and sixty billion, mm. and then that that secondary market I talked about, the retro market, is about a hundred billion, and the cap bond market is is ju- just shy of a hundred billion in in in, in notional. I, I, sorry, when I talk about the, the collateralized reinsurance, the ILS space is about a hundred billion, and a portion yeah. of that is cap bonds. So what you have is sort of an upside down uh, market, really, in terms of access to capital um, because. Uh, you know, pension funds and just the general uh, investment community is much larger uh, than uh, than what that you know that shape of that 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 structure I just referred to. So we need to find ways to bring more investment investors in to grow the business and and build 
a more sustainable you know, structure that's not sort of upside down in terms of a trillion dollars buying from a $660 billion to a, you know, to a $100 billion marketplace. But the cap bonds, and the cap bonds are just a you know, portion of that $100 billion at, 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 up until now, at least. Uh, we'll help with that. Hey, pensions, instead of selling uncapped variant swaps on the S&P, buy some cap bonds. Sure. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's so, uh, it, it, there's a learning curve involved, but uh, you know we we we're, we're doing our all, all of us are doing our best to try to explain and demystify uh, the business and 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 provide quantitative output that uh, you know is 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 comfortable for investors to digest. So speaking of the quantitative output and the modeling, so right on. I don't know if you can talk specifics of that bond you mentioned, or just in general, like what are the probabilities that get assigned, and what sort of yield are we talking about, and what does all that look like? Yeah, I mean, the, generally speaking, the cap bond market it, uh, participates sort of even further out the curve than, than so it's at the tail end of, of the reinsurance. So they're really uh, picking up um, ex- what we call expected loss, or um, uh, in in in, uh, in our jargon, of uh, you know very small uh, small percentage outcomes. So uh, so the the coupon on that tends to be. Uh, single digit to sort of you know, middle mid to mid to low to mid to upper single digit uh, coupon. It's a it's a floating rate instrument. So you you know you you put, you post your collateral. It, it makes what it does in terms of the underlying asset, and then you get the uh, you get the coupon above. Uh, and so, but that's that's where it's been oriented. And it's uh, as I say, it's been it's been very singular in terms of the type of peril that it's uh, the cap on investors are willing to take. Uh, and it's it's certainly out out the curve. It's at the at the tail end. So you're you know you're you're really, um, it's beyond where the, the reinsurance marketplace is going to provide uh, efficient capital uh, the, the, uh, you know, to, to, to its customers. And you mentioned the uh, retrocessional trades, like, can I go long these, if someone's buying it, can I go long the outcome? Right, I, can you- like most of our, a lot of the people we have on the pod and some of our investors, they wanna profit on a left tail event, right? Like here we're selling short the left tail event. Um, so yeah, I'm just, can my buy it? So how, how can I buy it? Yeah. You can buy it. There are, there are derivative instruments called ILWs which are industry loss warranties. So mm-hmm. you can, you can, you can buy those in an ISDA form that says, you know, I, I, I think the likelihood of a category five into Miami is much higher than the industry has priced it at or has modeled it at, excuse me. So, you know, I, I, I'd be willing to, to, to buy that risk. It, it's, it's available. It's a very small market. It's a single billions of dollars. Um, and it's a, it, you'd have to be very patient, right? <laughs> because uh, the, ni- the 1926 hurricane that hit Miami was in 1926. And we all, it seems like everything's happening about every hundred years. We have a pandemic, it's been a hundred years. So maybe we're due in, in 2026 for the Miami hurricane, but that's, you'd have to be patient on that, on that trade. Uh, and what would you be spending? Who knows? 1% a year or some, like not even that much? No, to, no, you'd be spending more than that. You'd be spending really? more than that. All right. So yeah, it doesn't make sense on any normal, yeah. realistic time frame. So we mentioned it some, but how does climate change play into all this? Right. That's kind of an unknown and a clog in the machine. But it's it's fundamental, right? We. There was a, a article in the New York Times this summer. We were all used to looking at the maps, unfortunately, the, the pandemic maps. But this map showed, you know, the United States was almost sort of cleaved in two. The western part of the United States is the driest I think it's ever been, uh-huh. and the eastern part of the United States is wetter than it's ever been. 
So you've got global climatology, then you've got localized conditions that manifest themselves in ways that are very that are variant to the what your long-term models are telling you. Your your hurricane model will look at empirical evidence going back to you know 100 years plus, run and and, and simulate a you know a, a set of, of outcomes for you. But if it hasn't taken into account those conditional probabilities that are shifting seemingly on an annual basis, and not more, more, more likely, uh, quick, more quickly, excuse me, then you know you, you could you could find yourself caught out. Insurance and reinsurance contracts are annual contracts for the most part. So when you buy them, and it's because there's no liquidity really, you own them for that year. It's hard to sort of hedge against what you then decide is, is a conditional issue that you didn't wasn't necessarily contemplated in the model. So it's um it's it's a challenge for us to understand the local so this year for instance you know, when you think of a, an Atlantic hurricane you often think of you know seeing it form off the Sahara the, uh, you know, coming off the Sahara coming across the Atlantic and sort of winding up and maybe it goes into the Gulf and maybe it goes up the East Coast. This year we saw a lot of what I call pop and drop hurricanes which all of a sudden there's a hurricane in the Gulf yeah. and, it, and, it, and accelerates over the that with a warm blob that's in the water that's in the Gulf and then it and it's full of moisture so it drops you know four or five six inches of biblical types of rainfall and and uh, there's no it's a different type of a hurricane, honestly, than the Cape Verdean uh, forming hurricane. So, you know, does that does that mean is that part of the new climatology that we have to deal with and, and thinking about those types of events and how do we adapt to them as, a, as an industry? All that is, you know, it needs to be discussed. And, and, and we just we just hired a, a meteorologist to help us understand uh, that and, and, and to see what, you know, what type of product innovation we need to think about and how we how we deploy capital in a, in a, in a more meaningfully profitable, sustainable way. Right. It seems to me like it, at, at best, it's going to make it more volatile, right? Like your model is going to be, anyone's model is going to be wrong more often because uh, of the changes coming. Yep. Um, which which will make a market. The, mar the market yeah. has fallen into a little bit of complacency around uh, vendors providing that that analytical framework and everyone using the same the same models uh, to to tell them what the you know, their view of risk is. Advantage we have it, have it up there in the thing. We, we we're going to view risk differently because of just what you just mentioned. It's going to it's going to create volatility, uh, which doesn't mean that there isn't opportunity uh, to to deploy capital in in a, in, a, in a smart way. And so, who whose models is the industry using? They each have their own model. Each of these reinsurers, or it's kind of a general stochastic approach. It is, yeah. There, there are uh, principally two, two, three model providers: uh, in, in RMS, AAR, uh, CoreLogic. Now that you know, provide the underpinning for a lot of uh, a lot of the industry's view of risk. Uh, the rating agencies rely on those models. Cap bond investors rely on those models. So, uh, you know, they're they're important to to, and, and we we use them as well. But uh, it's like any model; you need to uh, you know, sort of to, to to kick it around, <laughs> particularly given what I just said, uh, and how how adaptable are they? And not it's not just climatology either. They they have embedded in them certain we we mentioned it earlier, but certain expectations in terms of how an average claim in a certain type of windstorm in the state of Louisiana, the state of Florida, that, you know, that is also on the table for the reasons I mentioned earlier, infrastructure, cost of goods, cost of labor, and, and governmental action, right? Governmental uh, oversight and authority is, it can, can also affect that, that outcome of it. When you think about, you know, consumer, consumer protection and, and, and governments that are, you know, that are thinking about that. So all those things need to be added to the model. Uh, and, and then we haven't even gotten into that be a whole nother podcast, but is the data that the model is based on, is that, is that accurate? Is that correct? Our ecosystem in the insurance businesses, we allow the insurance companies to collect the data 
provided to the brokers, the brokers can provide it to reinsurers, reinsurers then, and you know, is there a way to objectively validate that data to begin with? Uh, insurance companies who are worried about that are, 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 are exploring better ways to, to access data and there are better tools, obviously, as we uh, in this day and age to assess what, how accurate the data is. Is it, is it actually, is the, is, the, is, the, is the data, is the asset that you're insuring exactly where you think it is? Is it built the way you thought it was? Is it have the roof that you think, and, and just real-time data, right? Does, uh, things degrade over time you're and and so have you taken all that into account and and i think the data will get better and our and our ability to assess it obviously has to improve as well that's all the whole the whole game needs to be you know continually the, the data is like two million people's homes in houston they're individual roofs and whatnot right so that's a that's big, big nut to crack yep um yep. and so the insurance the brokers are passing that on to the insurance well, the insurance companies collect it, right? Or their agents collect it. You think about your your policy. You know, if, if it may not have even been inspected. It may have been done from an office saying, I, I, I kind of know the, the type of, uh, you know, Jeff sent me. Yeah, I actually remember it was a, a drop down of like, what's your roof of yep. uh, shingled yeah. rubber? I can't remember the choices, but yeah. That's right. Hmm. So, you you know, you filled that out diligently and, 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 and accurately. Uh, you know, does that happen in every case? And then does it, do, are the assumptions made against whatever that, you know, that inf information is that data uh, uh, collected in, in the appropriate way and, 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 and thought about from the insurance company standpoint, they're, everybody's striving to obviously understand their portfolio. You have to remember, it's only 30 years. It's been 30, 30 years ago, insurance companies didn't even collect the underlying data. Yeah, they just, they just uh, in Hurricane Andrew, that was a surprise in 1992. It wasn't that long ago. I know it's not old, but Insurance companies didn't didn't actually know what their their count of policies were in any one county or any one zip code. What the what the characteristics of the of their portfolio were, were in any sort of fine detail. It was, it was the models that I just mentioned who created the the need to and, and the, the desire and the, and the, the framework I should say to collect the data to then start to analyze it. So we're thirty years in. Technology is getting better and better, providing us, uh, you know, not and 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 then not to get into sort of machine learning and 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 and, and figure out even a, a, you know better ways, faster ways to understand the data. Uh, we we need to do a better job at staying on top of the data as it evolves. No, we love machine learning here. So Vantage, you guys are using machine learning. Would you call it machine learning or AI or a combo of the two? It's becoming uh, it's becoming more you know more prevalent. We're we're you know we we are just starting out. So we um, you know we're we're We've got the storefront open. We've had a great start uh, to our business uh, on the reinsurance side. Insurance takes a little longer because you got 50 states, 50 jurisdictions, 50 licenses. You need to, uh, you know, bring through the process, and uh, so that's going to that's taking a little longer. But we're very happy to have the the front of the store open, so to speak. And in the back, we're certainly looking at all those uh, technological developments and, and data. We've hired a, a large team of data scientists, data engineers to, uh, to start uh, understanding the, the data that we're collecting and then, and then provide uh, output, whether it's human or machine driven uh, to give us better insights into risk, yes. Um, and do you feel like that'll become a winner take all for the insurance industry, right? Like the more, the bigger you are, the more data analytics you can do and the more data you have and the more you can spread out your risk. And it seems you'd, like, yeah. You'd think so. And so you'd think the large carriers would have an advantage and you certainly, you, know, you read about the, 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 the war chests or the, you know, the, I guess you should say the, uh, the amount of money that they're spending on, on data and data mining, you, you'd hope so. 
but it's sometimes uh, the, the benefit goes to the smaller and nimbler player who can you know find that insight quicker and, and take advantage of it. And so that's certainly what you know advantage is hoping. Uh, and then I'd say you know there's a lot of risk that is commoditizable or homogeneous risk that you can you can put into and, and, and understand. There's there's a lot of risk on the insurance side. We're writing. DNO, ENO, so directors and officers liability and errors and emissions liability. That's not as uh, as susceptible to you know just the machine learning because companies change and and the, and the environment changes whether it's the threat landscape from cyber or you know societal norms change. Does will ESG have an impact on how companies operate and how and how they'll be held accountable right for their actions and th so things things like like that are harder to sort of say that you can grab data that's available and and, and, and crunch it um, and those more idiosyncratic risks but um, certainly a certainly a large portion of the insurance business can be uh, can be uh, seen through uh, and, and better, sorry better data can be uh, provided to give us better insights yes and it seemed like to me like one huge cat bond fund that rolls exposures and doesn't have the an end date right and has a huge Right. If I just have a cat bond on Grand Isle, Louisiana, uh, that might be pretty risky and it rolls every year. If I have the whole, you know, Gulf Coast plus Florida plus Japan, now I have like a diversified portfolio and I, I right, I'd rather sell options on a diversified portfolio of stocks than just Netflix. Yes. Yep. So that and that's that, that's the challenge for the cap on market. They, those investors want it to grow. They want it to expand, and uh, it's just that the product isn't isn't as adaptable in a lot of places for a lot of perils. So they've they've got into the private collateralized reinsurance space to collect that diversification, as you meant, and to, you know, to 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 sell more option. Um, and it's just, it, it's less liquid. It's less. Uh, it's not. A, it's not a. You know. It's not a. A 144A security, uh, so that limits limits some of their appetite. But it's um, it's it's in a, it's an arena that needs to grow in our business. That 660 billion dollars is, is great. If, you know, we're all proud of how much capital we have to put to 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 to, to put to use for society. But it's you know, according to people, uh, people like Swiss Re and others, it's you know it's it's probably a third to a fourth of what it what it could be, what it should be uh, as 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 a, as a global. Uh, you know, uh, enterprise. So um, it, it still needs to grow, and we need to rely on these investors to help propel us to think about how we can grow the marketplace. And it's always weird to me when I, in the past, explained like, "Oh, reinsurance insures the insurance," and then people are like, "Well, who insures the reinsurers?" Right? It seems like there's a, a missing leg at the end. Um, but that's probably why it's only six hundred billion. There's only so much capital that's willing to reinsure the reinsurers, right? That's right. Um, so you have to build that capital base. Part of it is because we're all we're all we're all being judged more or less on this by the same yardstick. We all run this a very similar capital model, so it's it provides for less you know sort of uh, less uh, uh, growth of the of the marketplace. Um, whether you're running an S and P model or an A invest capital model, uh, it's it becomes uh, you know how a, a compressed arena of where things get traded. Uh, and you really need to think about uh, longer term outcomes and different and, and you know different capital uh, uh, structures as well that might be more flexible over the over the over time and 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 provide more you know a better return across the whole curve. I don't know if we touch on this confining capital model. No, well, I just yeah, I just touched on it a little bit. I mean, it's it's uh, 
it's an interesting business that a lot of people, as you say, have heard of, but then don't really know where the, I used to joke about like, what's this, is there a secret handshake or something? Because it's a, it's a fairly tight ecosystem. It's, it's well, uh, it's been around for a long time, uh, but it's, um, it's you know, control. You have to have a rating. You have to be able to uh, provide your your long term plan to uh, you know outside outside uh, credit rating agency and 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 pass muster. Uh, it's fairly centralized in terms of its distribution model. At least the reinsurance market is predominantly the production. Uh, the production pipeline is through the large brokers, uh, Aon, Marsh, you know, Willis. It's a very, very few uh, few producers of that business. And then you then you run these models that you know very, the, the most of the competition run. So that creates a sort of this a bit of a confining uh, sort of view of uh, and and a, and a closed ecosystem that uh, we're not here to disrupt anything. We, we're, you know, we're happy to be dealing with our distributors and, and working with the analytics that we have. But I think as an industry, we all have to, you know, think about whether there's some limitations to that and whether it does, it does not encourage, you know, further investment, further capital uh, to come in uh, if, you know, to, to, to provide a, a, a better, a better return across the curve, as I say. So those are just some challenges we have. We'll, we'll always have as an industry. We're all trying to solve them. The the, the, the producers are trying to solve the, them. The you know the the rating agencies are are aware of it and, and thinking about stress testing your capital and keeping you uh, you know sort of making sure that you you understand your the responsibility for your balance sheet and the risk that you're taking. But you know it just it, it always helps to have third literally third party capital come in and 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 push and 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 pull and poke holes at the and, and find ways to you know expand our business and. And that, that, that is a, a, a valuable uh, role that a lot of these third-party investors have played over the years uh, and uh, hopefully continue to play. It's like you need a uh, Got Milk campaign for the yeah, brand yeah. Right. It seems like it's always in the news for the wrong reasons, right? Oh, yeah. Nobody. I mean, nobody really likes insurance. Right? We get down to it. It's always something to complain about. It's like the weather, or the airlines, but you know, yeah. we or reinsurance, yeah. especially, like, oh, these rich hedge fund guys in Bermuda, like, are trying to do this or that, and you're like, no, we're actually trying to provide a valuable uh, service to the planet here. We'll finish out with some of your favorites. Uh, favorite Bermuda spot or custom? Favorite Bermuda spot or custom? Uh, well, I'd say, uh, you know, if you're closing a deal, a uh, uh, dark and stormy uh, on the, yeah. uh, any, any bar along Front Street is a, is a nice way to, uh, to celebrate. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and you don't have to wear Bermuda shorts and high socks either. You can. <laughs> Gosling's Black Seal Rum. Black Seal Rum and uh, Barrett's Ginger Beer is the, is the classic. All right. I love it. Um, favorite investing book. Favorite investing book. Uh, I've just gotten halfway through Noise, which I, I found intriguing, but I've been uh, I've been sort of uh, preoccupied with some some business stuff, so I haven't gotten back to that. Uh, and then the other one that was interesting to me is a, a book called Resiliency, which was written a number of years ago. I can't remember by an MIT professor. Not 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 I guess not investment books, but more business books. Yeah, no. Uh, those are those are two that I've uh, I've, I've really enjoyed the Resiliency book in particular. I feel like I've read that, but I can't remember the uh, author here either. I'm looking around my shoulders. Um, uh, favorite Boston restaurant? You a North End guy or lobster mm -hmm. or what? Yeah, yeah, no, not, no, not. There's a, there's a, there's a restaurant called SRV on Columbus 
Columbus Avenue that's uh, a nice, uh, it's Italian, but it's on the North End, but it, uh, it's a great, great vibe. And you don't really have the Boston accent. So where did you grow I up don't. in Boston? I did. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry about that uh, to all your listeners. But uh, I somehow <laughs> avoided it. My parents were from, from New York City, and I didn't. I just never, just never had it for whatever reason. But I did grow up here. Um, I got a good one if you want to hear it. The uh, you can't park that car here. That parking's for the fish market only. <laughs> good. Uh, throw, in a, throw in a wicked pista, and you'd be all yeah, set. Yeah, wicked there. pista. Wicked uh, pista. Favorite. You went to Syracuse, right? You're an upstate New York guy like myself. So favorite Syracuse athlete. Oh, favorite uh, Syracuse athlete. You know, I, I regret I got there right after the, the Louie and Bowie show. But when I was touring, I uh, that's that goes way back. Uh, Louis Orr and uh, yeah. what was his first name? Mr. Bowie. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then I like then playing with them was a guy named Marty Head, who was a favorite fan favorite because he was uh, not a tall, not a tall guy. And he was bald. His name was Marty Head. So <laughs> he, was was Marty Head. Yeah. he wasn't the most famous Syracuse athlete. There's, there's tons of them. And they were all they were all yeah, awesome. And those were all basketball, I'm assuming. Basketball, cycling, Ron cycling. Yeah, basketball was more of a thing when I was there. Football was always a little. We had, you know, Joe uh, Morris and Mercury Morris. And, uh, you know, we always had a few pretty cool players, but the, the team well, it didn't really perform yeah. in those well, years. And, and lacrosse has always been good. The Gates brothers and the, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty, pretty stunning athletes as well. Um, yeah, I went to actually a Gates Brothers lacrosse game in the Dome. It was one of the coolest wow. things I've ever done. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah, I tell that that was my answer. I was hoping you're going to bring up the Gates Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, Arcane, but <laughs> right. I don't know what they're doing. Didn't they start a league or something? They started a league in Canada, I think. Or, or yeah, I think so. Or yeah, state New York. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, favorite Star Wars character. Oh boy. Oh boy. See, I, uh, hmm, I have to confess, I guess my, my brother should be on the line. My father and my brother are both engineers, math guys, really oh, into man. that, into that. Uh, so, um, you can, you can look on my poster behind me. Yeah. I like that. I like, the, I like the Ray. I like Ray, the character. Ray. There you go. Yeah. She's great. Was, so what I, we're going to have to do my star Wars fans guide to investing. So we, list all these asset classes and what star wars character they would be but i don't have reinsurance have reinsurance or cat bonds in there so yeah we're gonna add those to the poster well ray starts with re so uh ray, is ray already taken is, is she already she's not asked. that that was made pre uh pre-ray so <laughs> done done and done <laughs> all right chris this has been fun thanks so much um, Yeah, thank you jeff enjoy your weekend and uh next time you're in chicago or i'm in boston we'll uh we'll grab a beer or something that sounds great jeff thanks for your time thank you all right the derivative is brought to you by cme group cme group is the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange for more information and educational resources about futures and options visit cmegroup.com you've been listening to the derivative Links from this episode will be in the episode description of this channel. Follow us on Twitter at RCMAlts and visit our website to read our blog or subscribe to our newsletter at RCMAlts.com. If you liked our show, introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. And be sure to leave comments. We'd love to hear from you.